Welcome to the conversation. I'm Joel here with my dad. Hey, and I'm Rick. Dad, when you told us we were moving to Guatemala when I was like 11 years old, thought you were ruining my life, I'll never forget something you said. You said, we're going to go down and we're going to try it for two years. And if it's miserable, we'll change the plan. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay. Uh, I'll make it as miserable as I can. <laughs> no, well, that's right. Well, and and you, you said, uh, and you, you've said this a couple times in my life, throughout my life, when I'm trying to make a decision, you're like, well, try it for two years. You can endure anything for two years because it takes about a year to figure out if you even like it. And then if it's really horrible, you just tolerate another year, right? Uh, and make a plan and make an exit plan. And throughout my life, I'll never forget when we were in Mexico and all of a sudden they're like, we're closing the ministry, which was kind of a relief to me, but- Actually, it was a lot of relief to me. But then I'm like, well, what do we do now? And I remember calling you and you're like, yeah, you changed the plan. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And I was like, you know, you have this unique ability and maybe a function of your nine personality type and the Enneagram. Uh, that, the highest number you can get, highest yes. score you can get in an Enneagram, arriving, by the way. Yeah. You've arrived. Hey, that's I a have. good sign because I'm an eight. So we're all, mama was there. But anyway, uh, what does that say for poor ones? No, oh, they got a long way to go. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's fascinating because you've always been pretty chill about, ah, eh, we changed the plan. Nothing, there's no shame in changing the plan. It's just part of the deal. Yeah. But people like me and some other people, example, ones on the Enneagram are very much like this. It's like, no, we made a plan for a reason. We stick to <laughs> the plan. And I, I don't care if, if there's no excuse for not sticking to the plan, right? Unless... Uh-huh. A hurricane comes in and blows everything to the ground and levels it. We're sticking to the plan. And even then, we need to stick with the plan. So <laughs> I know a lot of us, we're planners, and thank God for planners like us. Um, but there's some there's a gift, I think, in one of in your idea that you just kind of gotta evaluate where you're at and and adjust the plan accordingly. I'll never forget when I went sailing um uh and we, we took a boat from Key West down to the Dry Tortugas Islands. And we always had to somebody have somebody manning um, or womaning <laughs> the, yeah. the deck there. And he said, because, you know, the winds will blow you. And he's like, and you just got to constantly kind of make sure you got that nose pointed right at our destination. Because, yeah. like, you don't set it one time. It just, it's constantly moving. The winds are moving you. The currents are moving you. Yeah. And you have to constantly go, am I going still back towards the thing I was shooting for and is the thing I was shooting for even worth going towards yeah. anymore? Uh-huh. And that's the challenge I think for a lot of us is, I know for me, planner, I made a lot of plans in my teens and 20s about what life was going to look like. And then as Mike Tyson says, everybody got a plan until they get punched <laughs> in the face, yeah. right? Then life hits and you can get so angry and frustrated because the plan isn't working out like you thought or... We can learn from your skill, which I want to talk about that. And I, I do think there's a godly trait in that of saying, hey, life is about constant course correction. And so get over this doggedness you have to stick to a plan, yeah. relax a little bit and adjust. And and I do think that the people that seem to go the furthest in life are the people that can pivot quickly, adjust the plan quickly and not hold too doggedly to it. Yeah. Well, part of the reason that is you never really know all the details. Mm. And as you get further down the road, you begin to see things that you didn't know before and you begin to learn things. I mean, if you're not learning as you're going through your plan, uh, there's something wrong there. 
So if you're learning new things, then that would justify the plan altering a little bit, adapting a little bit. You know, you mentioned it in sailing, and I think everybody has seen it in driving. You never are in the middle of the road. You're always tweaking back and forth, back and forth, you know, because mm-hmm. the road condition changes. And so your, your car's doing well, and you hit a little bump, and it pulls to the right or it pulls to the left. We got this car now with this, it's kind of got this self-drive thing on it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> it jerks the it's wheel, right? It's jerking the wheel. I'm, yeah. I'm saying, leave me alone, you know? <laughs> you know you can turn that off. <laughs> I, yeah, but your mom likes it on. Oh, so if okay, I turn okay. it off and forget to turn it back on, then okay. I'm in big trouble too. Yeah, my, that one, that died in my car about on the first ro- long-haul road trip. I was like, we're shutting that thing off. <laughs> leave yeah. me alone. It keeps telling me you're over the line. I want to be over the line. There was oh, a puddle tell, over it. tells you too? Well, it beeps. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I want to be over the line. I just like to... Why do they put that line there? It's give you something to aim for, right? Not over the line. <laughs> anyway, yeah, beeps. But it's constantly course correcting for Yeah, you. it's constantly pulling you back here and back there and back there. And so, I mean, that is what life is like as you're getting down the road more. Hopefully, you're learning some things. And that's why, like, a plan, you were saying your plans in your 20s and 30s, it's like, you don't even know who you are yet. I mean, I don't even know who I am at 60. I'm still finding out things about me that I go, really? Wow, that's amazing. You know, now maybe I could, if I'd been a little more insightful, maybe did, I would have figured that out 40 years ago. How did I not ago. see that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good point. You do, because like, like, for instance, when you watch your kids grow up, and all of a sudden you start seeing things in them, you go, man, they're messed up. You go, wait a minute, where did they get that? From their mother. That's right. <laughs> no. Modeling mom. You begin to see things, and you just as you have experiences, you're going to learn things and grow and develop, and so therefore, yeah, you need to adjust the plan. I, I had never thought about constant course correction as being a function of humility, recognizing there's a lot I don't know, and when I find the things that I didn't know that I do now know, I'm going to be humble enough to go, oh, that's enough information now that I need to change the plan. Yeah. Um, it I might wasn't just be a tweak. Yeah, I wasn't omniscient at the beginning, all knowing. You know, yeah. only God's omniscient, all knowing, and uh, I wasn't all knowing. And so, it's okay out of humility to go. I got, I got new information. It's time to change the plan. Yeah. Uh, but we, I, some, I think there's something in our culture where we applaud people who stick with their visionary idea. Um, and I, I, I think some of it's yeah. false, like. You know, they had this visionary idea in their teens and they stuck through it even though everyone said they were wrong and insane and they made it and thank goodness they did because the world was changed because of that. But I don't think we ever, I don't think in the stories we actually read through the parts where they had multiple changes of plan. I think about Elon Musk. How many changes of plan has he made in his life and failure here? Oh, try that again, reset there, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And now the guy's trying to colonize Mars. I mean, yeah. When you aim for big things, you're going to have to adjust the plan a lot. Yeah. I remember reading a quote. I think it was from an IBM executive or something other. He says, if, you, if you're never failing, you aren't trying hard enough. <laughs> you're just trying safe things. Yeah. You know? And so you are going to make mistakes. And from those mistakes, you learn. You know, the old story about you know, Thomas Edison who tried thousands of ways for a filament for a light bulb. And aren't you discouraged because you found thousands of things? And he goes, no, I found thousands of ways that don't work. Eventually, I'll find the one that does. So... Which the, is the constant course correction. It's yeah, it's, yeah. Okay, that didn't work. Well, even if this did work, maybe there's a better way to do it. You know, and so, and, and you know, we we see that in organizations. We talk about an organization that doesn't change, and the fact that if an organization doesn't change and, and adapt, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was learning photography, Kodak was the king of the hill. You know, what does Kodak do now? You know, because they didn't move into digital. Are they still around? I think they are. I think they're making digital cameras now, the little <laughs> oh, rinky-dink okay. ones. You know. 
And, but they were like the king of the hill, the red and the yellow, the box, the chemicals, the whole bit. And they didn't change. Or you talk about, you know, I remember the, uh, when the railroads, you know, they, they, didn't, they saw themselves as railroads. They didn't see themselves as a transportation industry. And so when the railroad became less than the prime way of traveling, they lost out. Mm-hmm. And so we see that in an organization. The organization needs to change, needs to adapt, needs to figure out what's going on. But sometimes I don't think we see it in our own selves that our own perspective on life needs to change and and adapt to the situation around us. You know, it's the old Jesus talking about wineskins. If you become a hard, brittle wineskin, you, you're not going to be able to receive anything new inside you because it'll break you, it'll crack you. You're not flexible enough to move with it. That's And, and I think that's... There's, there's, again, I, th- I hadn't even thought of it in terms of the humility element until you were saying what you just said a second ago, but there's this element of if you're not constantly taking in new information, you're not growing. Right. And so part of growth is the constant change and constant course correction of, um, you know, a healthy organism grows. Yeah. Like it adds new parts. It adds new elements to itself. And I, I've seen people are like, that have kind of bragged in the idea, well, I haven't changed my political opinions in 40 years. And you're like, mm-hmm. really? Wow. Then are you just like ignoring new information that's coming up? Or yeah. and, and I understand when you, when you think ideologically, it's easy to wrap your mind around something, but um, ideology can be really dangerous in the fact that you try and cram everything into your, I compare it like to a toilet paper roll where as a kid, you know, you're pretending it's binoculars, but it's really not magnifying anything. It's yeah. just limiting what you can see. And if it doesn't fit in the toilet paper rolls, you ignore the information. And but if as you're growing, you're constantly adding new information, and you're saying, "Oh, okay, well, that doesn't quite work as perfectly as it did in my mind." Yeah. Um, which is the danger oftentimes with ideology is you get so stuck on um, this is the way this this answer pro- like uh, is this is the answer to everything right yeah. here right yeah like. Some people think CrossFit. Uh, I'm kind of obsessed with fasting. Fasting is the answer to everything. Having uh, health problems, just stop eating. Fasting. <laughs> yeah, you die eventually yes. and then no more health problems. Just, uh, but it <laughs> reminds me of something, a guy named, uh, I can't remember his first name, is uh, Galenson is his last name. He wrote a book called Young Geniuses and Old Masters. And he basically said there's these two ways that people think. And uh, and there's he calls it the two life cycles of creativity. He says there's the innovators, which are people that just kind of come to this brilliant new concept and they change the art world, right? He talks specifically in art and writing. Mm-hmm. He said, but generally most of the, the guys that really made a difference in the world, the, the, the um, old masters they're called, Leonardo da Vinci, guys like that, mm-hmm. you know. If you look at their work, you'll see that they started painting something and they've got these, somehow they have this, some sort of technology where you can see the layers of paint that were yeah. put on a canvas. He says, you'll see that they painted it and then they painted over it and then they painted over it and painted over it. And they had this general idea in their mind, but they kept tweaking it and adjusting it as they learned more about light and things. And he says, and so what you see is these, these paintings that we just admire as these amazing works of art were actually built layer upon layer upon layer as the artist learned a little bit more, changed their perspective a little bit more. And I thought that's a great picture of what course correction looks like in our lives. Is yeah. We want to paint this uh-huh. masterpiece, but you start it and where you end up, if, if you just do it one time, maybe modern arts that way he slaps some paint on the canvas. <laughs> yeah. and he, oh, it's so profound. Look what yeah. was in the mind of the artist. But the stuff we really admire was tweaked and built and changed over and over again. And I think that's the case in our lives. Uh, there's, you're constantly having to evaluate, yeah. am I on track here? I, I, you know, With Elise, one of my focuses was 
I really felt like the first five years of her life, I needed to be very, very, very present. Um, there's all sorts of studies that show the five, first five years, everything's set in stone, you know, right? But I also felt like the Lord told me, I need you to set aside some things you're doing, some of your ambition to make mm-hmm. sure you pour into your life for that first five years. Well, when the five-year mark hit, I'm like, yes, I made it through five years. Okay, so I started- <laughs> now I can ignore yeah, the rest right, of her life. No, no, it wasn't that bad. But, but I was like, man, I'm really nailing it as a dad. And the uh-huh. other day she came up to me and just point blank was like, dad, you're not spending enough time with me. <laughs> You're so focused. She's like, you're so focused. I mean, she uses words and I'm like, where'd she get that? Obviously she got it from talking to us. Who else does she talk to? But she's like, you're so focused on your work and the computer and your writing. We need to, and she said to me, actually, you need to spend more time tickling me, is what she said. (laughs) But I thought it hurt. And I'm like, wow, I thought I was nailing it, but thank God for a kid that has no filters. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you're not nailing it, dad. You missed it. Well, and is vocal enough to say it too and understand what, what's her frustration yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. amazing. So, but I, my point with that is, you know, I'm, I'm always, as soon as I think I've got it nailed, something changes and she needs something more from me. And I think that's the challenge with relationships in life too. Yeah. Is you think you got your priorities on, but then life changes and your priorities have to change. Yeah you've got to change that course correction. Like the thing you were aiming at, maybe that's not the thing to aim at anymore. Maybe that's yeah. the wrong island in terms of the boat thing. Like, oh, we thought we wanted to go over there, but that's the boat that actually has the water we need right now. So we go over here. Yeah. And that that's hard. Could, could even just be a season in time. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything's going good and everything's going good. You think you got it on, but then all of a sudden, it doesn't necessarily mean you've got to change the whole course, but maybe for this moment, you need to focus on some other priority and that may be like for a week or a month, or it could be while your kids are home. Yeah. You know, I mean, so many uh, families, uh, marriages end after the kids leave the home because mom and dad have focused everything on the kids for 18 years or 20 years or whatever, you yeah. know. And then all of a sudden the kids go away and it's like you're looking at each other and go, who are you? And like the glue that kept you all together has been removed from the picture. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have to deal with things that you've ignored for a long time. And so maybe for a season you had to focus on this and focus on that, but... Yeah, so the course correction can just be a short period of time or a long period of time, but um, yeah. So how how do you know if you're, I mean, there's one way your kids are telling you, but if your kids aren't telling you, how do you know you think if you're on yeah, course? Yeah, I mean, so my, uh, great, great question, See, Dad. you usually ask Set me, me those, you yeah. usually catch me off guard with these questions. No, I'm not cut off guard. I, I got this one down. I wrote a whole book about it. The whole, oh, you did? Yeah, Love Slows Down. Wow, what a chance to promote that book. Yeah, Love Slows Down, the book I wrote, section three of the book is about the idea that anger and anxiety are a sign that something is out of order from the way God intended it for to be in your life. So when you've got anger in your own life Uh about a situation or frustration, if you want to call it frustration. I'd rather say frustration. frustration, I never get angry. I just am always frustrated. If you're feeling frustration, if you're feeling blocked goals, if you're feeling limited, there's a good chance that something is out of line in your current season in your priorities. I use the example... um, uh, this this girl that came to me and I, I I walked her through this stuff and love slows down and um and she said I said what's the anger point like what's the tension point in your life and she's like I'm fighting with my husband and I know why she said my my priorities throughout my life I was a single mom for twelve years have been me or sorry has been God uh, God and then my son and me's relationship and then work right so she's like that was the order she's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden God sends me a wonderful man I marry that man. Mm, but my priorities mm-hmm. haven't changed yeah, and he right. knows it. Yeah. He's like, your son is way more important to me. And so she won't let him, you know, correct the son. Yeah. And, 
And she's like, I know that's out of order. I know that my, my, in terms of the biblical order, my husband should be right above my son, right under God. Um, and she's like, but here's the challenge I've got. This dude may ditch me like my kid's father did 12 years ago. Yeah. And if he does, and my son is angry because I've like put him second, she's like, I'm just all the way around getting, gonna get burned. I've lost the husband and my son is gonna yeah. hate me. She's like, it's really challenging because of that. But she knew that anger from her husband meant that something wasn't in the right order. And yeah. she knew as, you know, obviously some people are irrational asking for things that they don't deserve, but she knew it was out of order, but she yeah. didn't want to acknowledge, I've got to change something. Yeah, uh, Because life has changed. A new variable came into the picture. And that's what happens, I think, with a lot of times with people with kids. Like you in your mind, that's what happened to me. I knew life was going to change, but I didn't understand life is going to change. <laughs> yeah, capital C-H-A-N-G. It will never be the same again. And so you're con- you're just kind of going like, well, I'm gonna s- I'm adding a new piece to the puzzle, but yeah. that's a piece that changes the whole trajectory of where you're going. Yeah. And I think that's how you know is when there's anger, you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling stressed, you're feeling overwhelmed. There's a good possibility that something changed in your life that you haven't wanted to acknowledge. Yeah. Um, or you've acknowledged it, but you're just like, I can power through this. I can do this. I put it on my shoulders. I can carry this. And and probably what you need to do is. Like I talk about in Love Slows Down, you maybe just need to pull something out of your backpack that's not for this season. You're carrying it around, but you yeah. don't need it for this season. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, just thinking about that particular situation there, I've seen, I, I, I was just thinking of a lot of parallels where her, what she was at a point was, not necessarily she knew what need, needed to be done, but a real thing was, am I going to trust God that mm-hmm. if I follow the principles of his word and do what he says, that I'm not going to lose my son or my husband, or if one of them does bail on me, that, you know, and again, that's where it comes back to trusting the Lord mm-hmm. and realizing, okay, I don't know, with me, what helps me with it is when I stand before him on that day, am I going to be able to say, look, Lord, I, I, I've trusted your principles yeah. and I followed your word and I did what was right. And I think sometimes people, they're just afraid to do that. And so they ended up, I'm just thinking of somebody else who, you know, in their own situation, they're you just they kind of chose to do it their own way and they can't figure out why things are falling apart on them, you know, and that they knew the right way and they were counseled the right way, but oh, that took, oh, but what if it doesn't work that way? Are you going to trust God in this situation? And if you do, then you've got, he's going to come through in powerful ways that you're not even able to anticipate. Or you can just go ahead and do it your way. Yeah. Is it going to work out? Eh, not I'm going to stick with my plan, my plan instead of course. That's, That's a good point because faith is, I've been thinking about this a lot lately is faith is more about believing and then seeing than about seeing than believing. So hmm. Jesus is like, okay. hey, believe and then you'll see. But people are like, well, first, first I want to see so I can believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, what do you want to see? Well, first I want to see Jesus come through. And he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. First, you've got to believe in me and then you'll see the miracle. Yeah. First, you've got to take the step and then you'll see me provide but you're like, well, first I need to see, and then I'll get to believe you. And he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Faith is you trust what God is saying. And, and that's what that, when it comes to course correction, when a new element, so you're sitting in a sermon and you hear somebody that says, you need to get your family in line and order. And you go, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. I know I do need to do that. But, but, and you come up with these but reasons. He's like, all these reasons. Do it. Do it to the best of your ability as the Lord asks, and then you'll see the results you want. But most of the time we're like, well, let me see if this works out first and then I'll believe. And you're like, well, it's not gonna work out with what you're doing. You have to make the course correction. You have to make the change 
in order to see the results. Yeah. Yeah. But we get the cart before the horse a lot of times. Yeah. Well, it, as you said, you do the but, 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 Lord, you don't understand, but, yeah. but, but, but. And, you know, somebody said it this way, it's kind of hokey, but it's a, you know, it's goats that butt, not sheep. Hmm. You know? <laughs> and, so, and there's going to be a division of the goats and the sheep one of these days, you know, so you're going to be in that goat nation or the sheep nation. Hmm. So it does take a lot of, it, but I understand, it does take a lot of faith sometimes. And especially if you're new to this, because mm-hmm. like, you know, like you and me, we've, we've, we've done a few of those things where you step out and you, you're just doing it out of obedience. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't look like it's going to work, but you really feel this is what the Lord's saying. And then you see him come through and you see him come through and you see him come through. And so it takes, a, it doesn't take less faith because I've found each time, the next time it's even a bigger step, there's a bigger risk, there's a bigger loss yeah. if he doesn't come through. So um, you, you build that, it's like building a faith muscle. Right. You obey one time. And then you trust God. It really is a matter of faith. It's right. It's really a matter of trusting him. And when it comes back to that, the idea of the, the constantly correcting your course is recognizing that as you walk in faith, he's going to show you new things. Exactly. And as he shows you the new things, you got to make even more changes based on the new things he shows you because it's a, we're all growing. And if you stop growing, and if a, if a, if a baby stops growing, we're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Yeah. But we get to this older age and we start thinking we're not growing. But at any given point in life, you have to keep growing. Or if you're not growing, you're dying. You're, you're going backwards. And constant course correction is about that. It's really about growth, I think. Yeah, it is. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want more information from Joel or Rick, you can visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. Please consider leaving a review of the podcast. 